Hey, good morning, Jeff Fuller with you. Uh, setup's a little bit different. Hopefully, uh, that does not bother you whatsoever. But uh, my name is Jeff Fuller, J. Fuller Interviews, J. Fuller Interviews on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, the YouTube channel, J. Fuller Interviews. And now, the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of J. Fuller Interviews uh, on Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. I believe people's stories matter. They make a difference. And sometimes we need to stop listen and learn so we can unlearn what we thought was right to relearn what is right. And I'm going to uh, butcher this poor gentleman's name. So I will call him Mr. Olagumi. Uh, welcome in. How'd I do with that pronunciation? Uh, and you were close, but listen, I'm I'm from Louisiana and I've heard so many pronunciations of my name. <laughs> it's not even funny. So, uh, so my name is pronounced Olaolu Ogunyemi. Uh, and, and, and I'm uh, glad we have it phonetically spelled there because, you know, like I said, some people, uh, we, we tend to butcher it. Uh, but, you know, most people call me Lou uh, in the Marine Corps, uh, as as you'll see, they call me OG. So I, I have, I've gone by many aliases, but uh, yeah, that's how you actually pronounce it uh, <laughs> as a spell. Well, thank you so much. And I should have put that up before I uh, tried to uh, pronounce it. But <laughs> thanks for making the time. We have a mutual friend, at least on Facebook, and uh, I was able to appear on his podcast. He came on mine. That being Chip Baker. Uh, go get it. Yeah. Uh, how did you first come in contact with Chip? So... First of all, Chip is a uh, great guy. I love what he's doing. Every time I see him, he's speaking to teenagers, he's speaking to children, and he's really just trying to motivate them. Uh, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I met him through my oldest brother, Clement, Dr. Clement Ogunyemi. Um, he, I don't even know how they met or where they met, but they crossed paths. And uh, my oldest brother said, you know, I want to go on his show. And, and he went on the show and he talked about his finance and what he does. Uh, and then from there, my oldest brother said, hey, you, you know, I have brothers and they, they all they all go in different. They have different uh, professions and different things that they do. Um, so Chip was like, oh, <laughs> bring them on. Go get it. You know, how Chip oh, that's great. Yeah. Those guys just he's like, bring them on. And we, we came on and we, we had a great time. And from there, the relationship just grew. I think that was about, you know, three or four years ago. And, and then from there, the relationship just grew. And Chip is part of a book, uh, The Work, The Impact of Influence, and I think that uh, really explains him and has opened doors, but that's who he's been for a while, just sharing that message of hope and inspiration with others. Mm -hmm. For you, I do want to say sincerely, thank you for your service, your military service. And backing up, did you grow up always wanting to be in the military, or what kind of drew you or led you into that field of work? I did. So it's funny because I actually grew up just wanting to – I wanted to join from when I was little, but um, to be completely honest with you, a lot of people looked at it as a last resort. They didn't look at it as uh, as a real career path. It's, it's more of a, hey, you know, you go there, you're going to be front lines, especially because I'm in the Marine Corps. Uh, you're, you're going to go to the front lines. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And all these all these preconceived notions that, that people had uh, sort of discouraged me and sort of had me, you know, sort of swaying until I got to college and I was sort of sitting in my bedroom. And I realized that, you know, as I'm sitting there, I'm paying my own bills at that point and everything else is going on. I'm like, well, you know, I can make my own decisions. And I think I will say I, I'm pretty sure I shocked my parents, uh, specifically my mom. I think my dad initially was shocked and he sort of started understanding a little bit because, you know, that's that's tend to sort of understand where sons are coming from at, at different points. Uh, my mom, oh, I, I, I'm willing to bet she, she was very supportive up front. Uh, but I can tell she was very, very, very <laughs> disturbed by my decision. <laughs> but it it was it was something I wanted to do, and and since I've joined, I've I've I actually uh, joined in 2011, and since then 
I mean, I, I've learned so much. I've met some wow. great people. I've had an opportunity to travel different places and and meet wonderful people and and work with some some really um, intelligent and just outstanding people. So yeah, it, it's it's just a blessing to be able to serve. Now, Lou, you said that you grew up in Louisiana, but your name does not sound very Louisianian. Uh, what is your family heritage? So my dad is actually from Nigeria. He came over to college. Uh, and I, I like to make, I'm poke fun of him because he actually came over to be a uh, neurologist uh, initially. And when he when he made it over to the United States, uh, obviously he didn't he didn't stick to that. You know, he sort of he sort of transitioned to another career path. So it was just fun just to see how his career path went out. And uh, yeah, it's just just different for him. So. So, Lou, I can still hear you. It looks like we lost the uh, the video. But um, just thinking about your family, um, could you just share a little bit about what it was like to grow up? Where were you in the birth order? And I think we may have missed Lou. Uh, if you are still watching, it's Ola Olu. Ola Olu. That's easy. Ola Olu Oganyemi. Yes, sir, it Ola, is. Ola. I'm going to get this camera working. And, you know, you know, technology tends to do whatever it wants to do. And I, I want to just give the disclaimer. I am a computer information systems. That's what I got my degree in. <laughs> but obviously, I am not doing as well as I probably should do uh, with with uh, the, the cameras and, and things at this point. Uh, I think it's trying to connect to my my other camera. And, and for some reason, it, it's not uh, it's not picking up my, my computer camera. Oh, so, man, no worries. That'll happen. My brother calls me an Eron, an electronic moron. Uh, <laughs> if I can figure it out, it's fine. But if it's something new, I, I kind of struggle. But um, yeah. so, Olu, as we talk about this, I just asked, uh, what is your birth order as far as you said you have brothers? Do you have multiple siblings? I do. Yes. Yeah. So I have I'm actually the fifth of six children. Um, so I am I am the. So let's see, there's four boys and uh, yeah, I, I am the the second to last boy. You know, I like to consider myself the favorite, although my little brother, he would he would always uh, disagree, I'm sure. Uh, he'll tell you that, oh, no, it's me. But realistically, we know that, you know, the, the second to last is always the favorite. The last is usually <laughs> the one that, you know, I, I like to call him the runt, although he's he's 6'3", he's a pretty big guy. Uh, but I still call him the runt. So uh, it's two girls, two older sisters, and then three boys. Wow. Now, how many of you have been part of the military? Is it just yourself? It is. So it's only me. Uh, and uh, that was I think that shared uh, some of the some of the emotions from my my parents uh, when they realized that I am the, the only one that wanted to serve, uh, not knowing what the career path looked like. Uh, so I got my my camera back. I, I see you out. back. You look good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was one of those things that I, 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 was, I was the first one. Um, and then I decided to join the Marine Corps, which wasn't very a popular uh, choice in my area. There's a lot of Army influence back in uh, in Ruston, Louisiana. Even the university I was at, at Grambling State University, had Army ROTC. Uh, so everybody was wondering, where in the world did you find the Marine Corps and why? Uh, so, yeah, I was the first one. Uh, and and uh, so far, I'm the only one. I'm still working on a few uh, on my siblings, but I don't think they're uh, I don't think they're believing me. <laughs> Well, I have to just bring up uh, that it's been kind of a scary time uh, for what's taking place around the world and for you 
your military service just means so much. But as you mentioned, you've been able to travel and be a part of different things. Mm-hmm. Where does service usurp being nervous? When did you figure out, like, I'm here because I want to be here. It's my duty, but I could put my own self on the back burner for the sake of others. I think so. It, what's interesting, and I think I, I recognized that when I was at OCS, uh, Officer <laughs> Candidate School, which was pretty early. Uh, because I, I realized that the Marine Corps is all about the military service and the military in general. It's all about looking out, not for yourself, but looking out for the person to your left or right. And to be an officer in the military, that's even, I mean, it's times 10 because they they yeah. what they're always telling you from the beginning is your job is to bring that 19-year-old, the 18-year-old, that 20, that 40-year-old, your job is to bring them back home, right? Bring them back to their families. America entrusted them to you, and now your job is to bring them back. And when I realized that, I, like I said, I think I had that realization when I was an officer candidate school. And I was like, man, you know, um, when, when I graduated college, you know, at, at the time I was still in college. And I was thinking, man, when I graduate college, I immediately become in charge or, or responsible for people, you know, and not just the people that I bring to this world or right. not the people that I parent. But these are people, real lives that are going into real danger. And it really it really had a. Uh, a sobering effect uh, for me. It made me really consider what I was doing. And it, really, it makes me really take it seriously. It makes me really study hard. It makes me really work out hard. It makes me really try to understand the Marines I'm leading or the sailors that I may lead. Uh, it makes me really try to understand what they're going through and understand their background and all those things. And uh, I, I think that moment happened. And, and I think I believe the military does a good job of preparing you for those uh, other things that you may encounter in the future. I don't think there's any way I, to completely prepare for it. I don't think a veteran would disagree with me, um, but at least I think that they do what they can to prepare you for those moments. I'd like to press into that a little bit more. I finished the book, The Motive by Patrick Lencioni, and he talks a lot about servant leadership, but it's really just leadership. And then Damon West had opportunity to interview him. Excellent uh, story Damon has, but he just talks about people that that lead need to learn that they're serving first and the importance of servant leadership. Did that come naturally from watching your parents or before your officer uh, training school? When did you really learn the importance of serving others? So I, I will say that definitely came from my parents, my upbringing in, in the church, uh, because I am Christian and, and that's not to say that that's not to uh, detract from anyone else's religion, but I, my, I'm personally a Christian. And my parents really instilled in me the importance of being a servant first, um, always learning to, I mean, using the parable of washing feet, using the, all those kind of things that we understood as children to say, OK, this this is what uh, you should be as a leader. You should be serving others. You are designed to serve others. Um, and then my parents, they they as I, you look at their lives and I, and I, I sort of alluded to my dad's uh, transition from Nigeria to the United States earlier. I mean, he came to be a neurologist uh, and he ended up being a college professor and he's teaching education. Um, but I, I think that that kind of thing happened. Um, it, it happened because of the family. Right. He made that sacrifice for the family. He was doing that to serve the family. And the same thing with my mom. She actually got her master's in uh, speech language pathology. Um, but then she decided to put all that to the side for the family, to serve the family, ensure that, you know, we have the best. Um, to, or at least the best that they could afford at the time. Uh, sure that we had a good upbringing, sure that we loved each other and ensure that we had the love and care. Um, so that kind of uh, leadership was always 
instilled in us from, from a younger age. And then when you join the military, I think that just sort of, they sort of reinforce the importance of that servant leadership um, because, you know, you walk into certain situations. And, and I think one thing that the, the Marine Corps says that I, I, I take to heart, I really believe in is that you shouldn't ask anybody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I think once you have that in your mind, you know, that, that sort of, no matter what situation you're in, uh, that sort of, that kind of mentality will take you very, very far because that shows you that, hey, I, I, if I'm here to serve and if, if I know that I'm not a dictator, I know I'm not going to tell them to do something that I wouldn't do. Um, I, I think that just sort of embodies what it, what it means to be a leader. And then I have a question that we kind of spoke to off air, but I don't know if we can solve within the next 30 minutes that we're speaking. But uh, I grew up a loud and proud American. I went to college in Canada and I was that student that hung the American flag out out of the window. But um, I think there's something about being a Christian that comes before being an American. However, as you just described it, being in the service, servant leadership, what if we were known for serving and caring for one another versus, you know, what line we, we stand on or how we vote? The question in that is looking at your dad and how he has been successful here in America when he did not grow up here. Um, what? How do you think we can learn from your own dad and seeing some of the trials that he's had to go through, but the benefit of grit and resilience? Absolutely. So that. You know, when you when I think about that, I, I always think about, OK, what were the things that he had to overcome? What were the obstacles? What what was that? Because when I think about grit and resilience, I think about things that came against you. What, what was the thing that came against him? So I, I think about the time that he came to America, which was the 70s. I think about the place, which I, I told you, I, I, I joke. I always poke fun of him. I, I joke about him because uh, he actually came to Birmingham, Alabama in the 70s wow. from Nigeria. And he didn't speak very good English. And you know at the time that there was a lot of tension. Uh, so what what made him do that and what made him push past it? And I think that's that's where um, I believe that's where our, our higher calling comes into play. Right. Because we have a, a message of higher hope. So we believe. Right. And, and that's just to speak to any spirituality, spirituality. And, and we do that in Marine Corps. We talk about spiritual fitness and why that's important, um, because no matter what your belief is, you have to believe in something higher than yourself Yeah, because yeah. that's what pushes you to, to extend beyond. That's what gives you that resilience uh, that you have. For my father, that was Christianity. So he believed that if he continues to do this, then this would happen. If he continues to work hard, then he will have results. If he continues to sow, then he will reap. And those are the kind of things that sort of just having that hope, no matter how small it may have seemed, you know, no matter when, you know, he was a track runner, he injured himself pretty significantly uh, in a car accident. Um, and it's like, okay, he was, he was using track to pay for college. Right. And then yeah. he injured himself, uh, all the other things he was using to pay for college, you know, whether it's raking leaves, cutting grass, cutting hair, right. All those are physical in nature. So you injure yourself in the seventies in Birmingham, Alabama, you obviously right. now, you now have your, have a, yourself a bit of a conundrum. So having that, that ability to look past the things that are currently in front of you and look and say, oh, you know, I have hope, uh, I have something I can believe in that's larger than myself. I can invest in something that's larger than myself, I think is the key to being resilient and having that grit to really overcome uh, adversity. 
So good. Uh, Lou Oganyemi uh, making some time for us. And uh, I apologize to the YouTube watchers that I don't have my um, share screen set up or set up very well. But can you just talk about your new book, uh, Crow from the Shadow? And I don't have a picture of it, but people can certainly find that. What made you want to write this book? And yeah, bring that forward bring that. and uh, put that in front of the camera. Crow from the Shadow. Talk to me about this story. All right, so this story is a children's book, and, and I'll start off with the with the series that we created. So the first thing is we created the what's called the Parent Child Connect series, um, and the purpose of that, long story short, is to have resources for parents, teachers, and mentors to just create memorable moments for their children, and just make sure that while they're creating those memorable moments, they can actually have those teachable moments as well, to where they can actually invest time, and their children can learn. They can, they can understand values. They can just grow and develop. It's just it's just trying to bring mentorship back into our homes, into our village, as we talk, mm -hmm. as we talk about It Takes a Village. Um, it's just to bring that mentorship back uh, because what I realized is there's so many influences out there, whether it's TV, YouTube, uh, <laughs> TikTok, all these other influences that are out there. Um, and we, we have a choice. Either we're going to combat it or we're going to collaborate with those influences. And, and I think that, you know, providing these resources gives us that choice. Um, so Crow from the Shadow was the first book I released, and I'm actually in the process of releasing another one that's for the younger readers uh, later this month. But Crow from the Shadow was the first. And the message is, is pretty clear. And it's on the back page. It says, only one can determine my future, and that one is me. Hmm. Um, and the purpose of that is, as he goes through the story, uh, crow is just a character. I know people, a lot of people ask why I chose a crow and I, there's <laughs> many ways I can go with that, but I'll, I'll just stick to the, the theme here. So uh, crow goes through the story as he says, I, I love to play sports, but the shadow tells me I can't do it. I said, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I have this dream that I can protect and serve, but the, the shadow told me I will never overcome this. There's, you know, I can make an A, but the shadow told me that A's aren't the right way. So what I, what I, what I wanted to do with Crow from the Shadow is I wanted to expose the shadow, right? Uh, whatever that shadow may be. Uh, but for everybody in general, the shadow is whatever or whoever uh, is giving that you myths and fallacies, feeding you those myths and fallacies, those lies that stop you from being successful. So I took that message that says, okay, we have all these myths and fallacies. We have this big shadow that's casted over our lives that legitimately will tell us that you cannot do something for whatever reason. There's always a reason that you can't do it. And then you get to the end and you realize, wait a minute, as you go throughout the story, it starts off fairly dark in the imaging. Um, and this is, this is intentionally done. My, my illustrator is my brother, Joshua. <clears throat> awesome. Intentionally, it starts off pretty dark and it talks about Crow and he's introducing himself and you know what the shadow is all about, who, how the shadow is telling him what to do. And then you get to the end and you see it's it's fairly it's really bright when it gets to the mm. end and it's showing hey you know what crow just realized that he has the power to determine his future right and i think wow. that's really the message that we're trying to convey to children and really just to people in general that you have the power within to overcome those myths and fallacies that may have been casted over your lives so really i think that's my two minute spiel or three minute however long it was for uh for the shadow <laughs> Well, Lou, thanks so much for sharing. And uh, listeners or uh, watchers, you can find more at parent-child-connect.com. That's parent-child-connect.com. And you can get a copy of Crow from the Shadow uh, right there. But uh, Lou, I'm just 
thinking about you with um, a family, being married, having children, and then writing a children's book. Where did you find the time to do that? Was that a dream? Did your wife really push you to do that? Or was that just kind of a side hustle that you just uh, were gritty enough to accomplish? So it's funny because I, a lot of people ask me, where do I find the time? And I have to give credit to my wife. Uh, she she does an excellent job. I mean, when I told her I was going to write a children's book, I, I think, I wish I could remember what she said verbatim, but it probably wasn't the most encouraging message. It was probably like, uh, excuse me, like, when, you know, when are you going to have time for that? And I want to encourage people in that in that moment because, you know, a lot of the time that I was able to do it was while I was driving. But I, I, wrote, I know it sounds uh, counterintuitive and, and no, I'm not encouraging people to look down and write while you're driving. <laughs> But you use your phone. You take out mm-hmm. your phone. You hit the record button, and you just start talking. Unload everything from your mind into your phone, right? And we even have voice to text now. That's another feature I use. Yeah. You know? Once I started, fir- you know, the idea became a little more firm for this story and others. Uh, I started using voice to speech, and so while I'm driving, and I had a, at the time I had a pretty pretty decent commute. But I was, while I was driving, instead of just you know listening to music or just listening to podcasts like I did. I was like, you know what, let me start, you know, start getting this idea from my head onto paper, which in that form was electronic. Uh, so I used time. I think I used the time that was normally spent doing uh, other things, um, vice taking taking more time away from family. Um, of course, yeah. You know, when I get home from work, there's going to be times, especially after you publish, which I've, I've learned very quickly uh, after you publish, it does take a lot of time to uh, to really market and all those kind of things, and, and unless you choose a marketing firm. Um, but I will say that you just have to use the. Sometimes you use that time, whether it's on the you know on the treadmill or on the stationary bike or in your car, whatever those times are that you you. Yeah, you could be focused on uh, just running, or you could just be focused on biking, or you can read while you're biking, all those kind of things, or you can just pull out your phone and, and start jotting down some ideas. I, hmm. I think that's the first thing, uh, considering time. And then secondly, I, I think my my true motivation for writing a story is I, I had a daughter, right? My And my I had a daughter at a fairly young age, right? Um, and I, I like to tell the story in full transparency, uh, because when I by the time I graduated from college, I was married with a three-year-old at the age of 22. Wow. And most people would probably say, whoo! You know, that's a handful. And it was. It was. Uh, and it was a three-year-old girl. And I just I just knew I was going to have all boys. Uh, I don't know why I thought that. But for some reason, I was convinced that my genes are, are, are going out. <laughs> we just have that gene to have boys. I, I don't know. I have two girls. So obviously, I, I was completely wrong. And science, <laughs> science was not on my side. Or, uh, but what I realized is that, you know, in order for me to understand um, and really connect with my daughter, I can't do the same thing that I deal with my three other brothers growing up. And my sisters were my one of my sisters is 14 years old and others 12. So they're they're older. Um, so they they took on more of a mentor role uh, role. And and actually my oldest sister was almost like, uh, you know, the second mom for us. So they're a little older. Right. Um, so my interaction with a young I didn't have a sister. I didn't have I just had brothers. And and the way that that we collide and interacted, it could not by any means be the same way I led my daughter. Um, so I realized that if I have that struggle, there's probably thousands, if not millions out there that are just like me. They're, they're sitting there like, OK, what do I do? How in the world do I connect to this child? Um, and then in that you say, OK, well, you know what? What I used to do is go into rooms and I would just make up stories or I'll just pick yeah, up a book yeah. and read to them. And we'll just interact in that manner. And I was like, well, you know what? This is 
you know, I love Dr. Seuss and I love all these great Marilyn Sadler and all these great, you know, writers and, and authors that, that, that I grew up on. And, and I was like, you know what, what, what will stop me from creating a book, uh, you know, that my children can be proud of when they get older. So I think that's where that, that was the origin of that. As I started thinking through that idea, I think through that thought process, I thought it was like, oh, yeah, this is, I think this is a good opportunity, a great opportunity just to, you know, get something out there to help parents like me and to give my children something to be proud of. And again, it's uh, Lou Oganyemi, make some time, parent-child-connect.com. That's parent-child-connect.com. You can find uh, the book Crow from the Shadow. And uh, I want to say congratulations to your eldest who just turned 12. <laughs> but what are you doing to build that relationship with your daughter? And of course, being proud of her father, being an author, reading books is tremendous. But I've found as my son's 19, daughter's 17, I don't read to them anymore. So it really is the interactions. And my daughter just started CrossFit. And I used to like to work out. But now, because I'm old and injured or just plain lazy, she's doing things that I can barely keep up with my 17-year-old daughter. But it's a hobby that she enjoys. So I try to do my best. What are some hobbies that you enjoy doing uh, with your wife, but also with your children? You know, it's it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned it. And, you know, I, I look at CrossFitters and God bless them, man. <laughs> CrossFitters are, are, are just a different breed. I, I, I've tried, Amen. I tried my form of CrossFit and I was like, whoo, that is a workout. That is high intensity training. Whew, they got it. Uh, but, you know, what I do, one of the biggest hobbies that my, my daughter has, you know, I, I just had to start. Like I said, there's influences. You, you can either collaborate or you can combat them. And, and really combating them sometimes doesn't it doesn't present the best uh, solution. So, I mean, one of her biggest things, she loves dancing. Right. And and I and anybody that knows you or knows me will tell you that I am nowhere near the dancer. But somehow I've become a dancer. I mean, I will dance all day long and, and we'll just have a good time. So nowhere to, I don't read books with her because now she's in chapter books and she's reading yeah, yeah. sixth grade now. So it's a little different. Uh, but uh, it's just funny because I, I will get with her and dance anytime, you know, if she wants to go outside and swing, I'll go swing with her. You know, if she wants to go, you know, she doesn't do many workouts. She doesn't do workouts. Thank God. Uh, Cause CrossFit. Again, <laughs> I, uh, but if she wants to skateboard, I, I, she can skateboard circles around me. Uh, yesterday I jumped on a skateboard cause she was doing it so well. And I was like, you know what? Give me that skateboard. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I was able to make it to this podcast today because I thought it was. I, I, thought, I thought that was the end for me, so I grabbed the scooter when I could do it. I, I sort of got outside. So it's just finding those things, like you said, like you already alluded to. Just find those things. Just enjoy with them. I, I just watch what they enjoy doing, and I'll jump on with them. I may not get on the same games that they do, or, or I know yeah, some yeah. some parents get on video games, and, and that's great. I, I personally, I. Now, that's the thing I haven't dedicated time to. Um, but when they call me and say, hey, look at this. I, I built this house in this game, whatever game it may be. Uh, I'll sit down with them and I'll walk through the house. with them. I'm like, oh, man, that's that's really nice. Yeah. Well, maybe you can put your TV here to there. You know, it, it, it may not mean much at the moment, um, but I feel like that's the time that I invested. Um, and I I look back to my dad even even now. I went home to visit this past summer and my dad, <laughs> my dad says, uh, hey, you know, I want to charge the battery for the lawnmower. And we walk outside and, and we hook the battery up just like normal. And he said, yeah, I know I could have done that myself, but I wanted to spend some time. Yeah. With yeah. And that's the kind of things that my parents always <clears throat> did. They always invested that time, no matter how big or small it was. 
They always found things to invest time with. Uh, and the same thing with my wife is just enjoying those. She loves shopping. She loves thrifting, and she's really she's really good at it. She's found a way to, you know, to when she thrifts, she finds great finds, and and uh, sometimes she she puts them around the house. Like you know, this my setup here. Obviously, I had nothing to do with this. My setup probably be just. Like this. It'd be like this. Like You're right. It would have been exactly like that. Look at some podcasts in the past, and you will see exactly that. Uh, she did this kind of setup, and everything that she purchases is is through thrift findings. And so it's just getting involved with that and understanding and, and just spending time in the things that they enjoy. So good. I was reminded too, and as a pastor, somebody shared the gift of presence, wow. just being there and being with, and that's uh, sometimes with our kids and even our spouses, that means so much is just being with them. Uh, I just wanted to allude or go back to a podcast that you appeared on, and I believe the conversation had to do with money, with finances. Here mm -hmm. it is right here. Why did you share about money? And I've heard that, you know, money is one of the greatest causes for divorce and certainly money within a personal budget is so important that people understand. I guess the first question is, why do people not understand the value or the time or the responsibility of money? I think with that, I, what I always think about is it's just what we've, it's what we believe. So for example, when I was, Back uh, when I was at home, there are certain things that we used to just think were were valuable. Um, when I went to school, although I had shoes with closed toe and I had I had clothes that fit, um, I would see somebody else with a pair of Jordans, for example. And this is not a knock on Jordans; I think they're really nice shoes. Uh, but I'll see somebody with a pair of Jordans, and I'm like, "Man, I want those. Those are nice." Yeah. You know, and I see I'll see these things, and I I really want these things, and and I, that just becomes who we are. It becomes like that, that becomes our rat. They call it the rat race for a reason, right? That becomes what well, we, we always want something uh, so we can take and, and sort of bring it back to ourselves. And then that's what validates us, if you will. Um, and I think that's where that's where we have to start when we're talking about finance. What do we have that validates us? What makes you you? Um, and if that that is things, then you're going to tend, in my opinion, you will tend to have problems with money. Uh, because if you always have to have the next thing to be to validate yourself or somebody's opinion of how you look or how you, you know, what you have uh, is the thing that's priority in your life, then you're going to tend to spin, spin, spin and not have a uh, good balance in, in your finances. And I really think that's why people don't. It's because we, we, we place value in the wrong things. Uh, we place our we place our priorities, you know, where we have you know material things way up here or getting a lot of money way up here. But we don't think about, you know, impact. That's what you talked about earlier, you know, spending that time. is We're just talking about impact and influence, right? right? right. So we're not prioritizing impact and influence. We're prioritizing how much money can we make on X product or X service. Um, and I think that's why we, we don't truly, I don't know if it's, sometimes I wonder if it's that we don't truly understand it or we just don't yeah. truly receive it. Because um, we know that's the thing. We know that we have, we know that if we don't, you know, save money, we won't have it to spend. Uh, yeah, I, I think we we would rather uh, buy things sometimes, be more materialistic than to uh, invest or save and make sure that we have a future. And uh, this is Lou Oganyemi. Make some time and uh, a few more questions. Then we'll get you out. Thanks again for uh, coming on this morning and spending time with us. The name of the website is parent-child-connect.com. That's parent-child-connect.com. I. I'm just thinking about you being in the military. I think about me when I 
and this is so sad that I bring it up, but I went to a small Bible college in Canada and I played sports, which now they no longer have a sports program and they changed the school name. So you couldn't even find it. So everybody <laughs> thinks, or at least my son and daughter think I'm making up that I played college sports. <laughs> However, <clears throat> I remember the discipline of getting up at five in the morning and working out. You go to class, you go to practice, you hang out, play with your friends, pick up and all of that. What is it much like money where we should be more disciplined? Is it because we don't understand the benefits of being disciplined? Or why do you think that is where people lack that self-discipline? And maybe more when they get older and they have more uh, time or say over their time that it becomes less of a reality. I believe for discipline, I think discipline is a, I believe it's a learned behavior. Right. And that's one thing that we always tell people is like, we want you to practice, practice. You know, you may not be perfect, but you practice striving for perfection, that perfection. That's the discipline portion of it. Getting up at five o'clock in the morning, it takes discipline to do it. And I do it every morning. And some mornings I'm like, oh, gosh, why am I doing this? Uh, but it's that it's that discipline. And really, I think it's uh, an inability to see the larger picture because um, hmm. when you focus on what's right in front of you, I think that's where you you no matter whether you think you're disciplined or not, if you don't have a long term focus, then there's nothing that can drive you to achieve long term goals because you don't even know what's long term. Uh, and I think that's I think that's really what what from that perspective, I think that's where we we have to learn how to take on uh, a better perspective and, and just start thinking about, OK, if there's if I spend all my money, I mean, just down to the basics, right? I have a, this is what I teach my 12 year old, even my seven year old, you know, if I spend all my money now, <laughs> then I won't have money in the future. It's just, yeah, it yeah. doesn't exist. This is this is very, very basic way to look at it, but it's something that we have to think about. So what muscle do I need to work now? Well, I need to work the foresight muscle. I need the ability to look forward and say, okay, what do I want long-term? Uh, how do I want to shape this long-term? My oldest, actually, she did an excellent job. She just saved up for an iPad. Her birthday helped her out with that. Uh, but she just saved up for an iPad. And I was impressed. I, I really was impressed. And there's times, yeah, we had to do some rudder steering. Um, there's times where she was like, well, you know, if I just buy this today, you know, I'll work harder to get that back. And I'm like, well, remember your goal. Remember your long-term goal yeah. is to buy that yeah. iPad. So continue to cut the grass. Continue to do all these things that, that obviously we're, we're paying her to do. But, I mean, obviously I can cut my own grass, but – I'm trying to help her out working that muscle. Right. And then she reaps the benefit of getting her, the iPad, which is her long-term goal. So she's learned how to save and she learned how to uh, delay gratification, which is another muscle that, that requires discipline. And she learned that, you know what, you know, if, if I want the iPad, then I just have to, number one, I have to save. And number two, I have to be patient. So I really think that foresight is what, what feeds that discipline that we have. It's like, Hey, you know, if I get up every morning, then I'll be able to continue to work out and maybe, you know, my daughter turns 17 and she chooses CrossFit. I can keep up with it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one can learn a lot from a children's book. And the name of the book is Crow from the Shadow. And I think just not listening to the shadows, but pressing through. And uh, I encourage people to go to parent-child-connect.com to uh, get a copy of this book. And uh, Lou, we'll get you out in a little bit. But as you mentioned, and most all of the listeners know that I'm a pastor and I'm a Christian and all of that. But as you brought up, that you're a Christian, how important did your faith play specifically for your service in the military or continue to play? Is that something 
Well, reality would say being in the military, you could die. You could give your life. Is that the main factor why your Christianity is so important to you? Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I, that goes back to that servant leadership I talked about earlier. Um, it's, I, I think it's just as basic as, you know, it says in the Bible that, you know, there's no greater love than to yeah. lay down your life for a friend. I think that's that message right there in, this, in and of itself lets us know that there that we are to look out for each other, regardless of what your religion is, regardless of where you're from. Just looking out for somebody else is what makes the world a better place. When we run into situations where, you know, <clears throat> where evil tends to take over good, I think those situations happen when people are selfish, when you focus internally. Um, and I believe that we are able to succeed. The best leaders that I've seen in the military, I, I can go down a list of general officers that I've had the pleasure of working for, and not just general officers, but, you know, all the way throughout the ranks of people I've worked for and with. Um, and I can tell you the best leaders are the ones that know the benefit of just loving people and caring for people and taking care of them. That doesn't mean you know, that doesn't mean taking them and 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 being soft and not training them hard and making sure they're ready for whatever may come their way. But that does mean serving them and making sure that they have everything they need to be successful. Um, and I think that's just to me that's the basic you know message of Christianity is that there is somebody who laid down a life. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Right. So that we can have a hope in the future. So as a leader, we are to follow his example. And if we have to lay down our life, no matter whether that's physically or whether that's emotionally or whether that's, you know, even from the most uh, practical standpoint, if we had to lay down literally, you know, whatever we're thinking that, you know, I have a deadline. I have to do this right now. And somebody walks in your office and says, hey, I really need to talk to you, sir. Are we willing to lay down our life? And that's in that circumstance yeah. lay down what we're doing and prioritize that person. Uh, and I think that's really what feeds, like, like I said, I, I believe personally, that's what feeds my leadership style. I believe that, you know, keeping, keeping Christ, I, I meditate every morning, I study every morning. Um, and I believe that keeping Christ on the forefront of my mind is what really drives my ability to lead my Marines. Uh, no matter where we are, no matter where we are in the world, or no matter what we're doing, I believe that being able to just be a servant to them and be able to uh, teach them those same values that I learned. Um, I think that's just that that right there is in and of itself is just is the utmost important. Oh, so good. So good. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, a couple of questions. I won't get you out. But uh, and sincerely, our prayers are with you. And for those that you lead and being in the military, as I mentioned before, my cousin was killed in Ramadi uh, 16 years ago. This was on the uh, 22nd of September. We remembered that. Um, but I'm reminded, too, that. 9-11 was 20 years ago, and it brought the country together at least for a little while. Mm -hmm. And my prayer, my question, I, I wonder, I think that maybe God's allowed this pandemic to bring us closer together because mm -hmm. we certainly need each other. But for whatever reason, it's become more polarized. You take your side, I take my side. We dig in our heels and then we just gravitate towards people that either affirm what we say or think like us. Being black, I think that's obvious to everybody that's listening, <laughs> watching. I am Asian. I was born in Korea. I was adopted, grew up right here in Vermont. So I'm more of a Vermont redneck than I am an Asian. <laughs> but I'm wondering why people would dig in and talk about our differences. 
Well, Jeff, you're Korean. Well, Lou, he's grew up in Louisiana. We bring up all of our differences instead of finding that common ground. Mm-hmm. In your mind, if we focus more on the commonalities that we have that we share, what a what would the benefit be for us here in the United States, but for our own families as well? Oh, I so I'll tell you, I've seen it happen in, in the smaller. I would say we. In the, I would use the military for example, because we I've seen it happen in a smaller, um, I guess, microcosm of, of society. In that, it doesn't matter where you come from. It, what matters is, are you good at your job? Uh, yes. Can you do? Will you do what you're told? Where you're told to do it? And do you have the ability to critically think through through things? Um, I think those things are important, right? Because instead of, I think what happens um, is we become so interested in our own opinion that we fail to even listen to everybody else. Yeah, and we refuse yeah. to listen to everybody else. Uh, so that, like you said, we just want to, all we do is gravitate towards somebody who, who's just going to affirm that we are right. And I think that's something that, that takes practice. I think it takes discipline to just go out outside of your, your comfort zone and say, you know what? And I've gone to guy. I've personally gone to people uh, and I've listened to him talk. And it, I, I listened to a guy, for example, he told me, he said, you know what? When I, when I get out, when I retire, I'm going to move to places, uh, a place where I, where people look like me, um, because you know there's you know my people aren't out there you know looting and tearing up the city, you know. Now, if I were the person that's going to be aggressive, digging the hills and fighting, <laughs> he never would have said that to me. And number one, I never would have understood his perspective, and right. more importantly, he wouldn't have been able to hear another perspective. Right? I was able to sit there and tell him, hey, you know what? I know I hear what you just said, but hey. I look like those people that you're saying are looting the city. And let me tell you, I do not have time to go out and loot anything. Right. Have I done it? Right. So it's just not, it, it, that's not who I am and, and I haven't done it. So I, as quickly as in your mind, you form that thought, right. You didn't realize that you have a person and multiple people actually in that circumstance that are sitting right in front of you that are, have nothing to do with that. And they never have, and most likely never will. And when you, when I said that to him, I, I could see the wheels turning. He's like, Oh, wow. You know, hmm. and we're not talking about we're talking about a guy who's 44 years old. So we're not talking about somebody right, who's 19, right. 18, you know, so it's like his whole life as he's thought these things, and he's, you know, he's realized these certain perspectives and maybe these biases that he's had. Maybe they're not the most accurate things, but that yeah. came from, number one, me listening and not digging in my heels. And, and as soon as he starts talking, I say, no, that's not right. And it came from him being receptive of it. And, and from there, we shared a moment. And now we understood each other just that much more. We grew closer. Uh, and I think that if we take that and just multiply it, uh, I, oh, man, I, I just I feel like there's a bright future. Right. And excuse me. In that in that moment, that that Marine and I, we actually when we saw us eye to eye at that moment, we grew closer. And when we went in to make a recommendation to the commander, now we went with a unified front, although we didn't mm-hmm. agree on everything. We yeah. gave him a 360 view from which he can make a decision. And I think that to me is the most important thing because before maybe we were arguing because we had we had differences. And then once we finally, you know, those differences came out, we're both fully transparent and we start to understand each other as people. I think now we're able to work together and we were able to unify and work together, regardless of whether our our political opinion and all that stuff didn't even right, matter. Right, right. At the, our upbringing, I think he's from Kentucky or something like that. Uh, and it's like our upbringing and our race, none of that mattered. Yeah. All that mattered was how good we are at our job and, and our ability to take what our experiences and what we know 
and just bring a good recommendation, a well-rounded recommendation to the commander so he can make a decision. And there's that expression that there's no atheist in foxholes. And I'd also say there's no racist in foxholes because you know you need one another. And I think it'd be such a better place or how God wants us to live as long as we realize we need each other. We need to learn from one another. We need to have that uh, vulnerability with each other, but also the accountability. So we aren't just doing our own thing, but we're growing in love for one another in serving one another. So. I guess that's my soapbox, my sermon. But Lou, thanks uh, for making the time. As we just uh, let you go, you mentioned that Crow from the Shadow is your first book. So that begs a question. What is the second book? When does it do well? Uh, are some of these details just hidden and uh, we just have to wait and see? Oh, no, I, I can tell you now because I, I sort of I sort of told people it's coming soon. So it's called Horse the Horsefly. Horace the Horsefly. Uh, and I know that sounds a little silly, right? And now I've used a crow and now I'm using a horsefly. So I'll, I'll give the story. I'll briefly sort of tell you why. And, I, and it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, here in Virginia, I, I, you know, I, I got used, to, I got sort of spoiled in California for the last seven, eight years, right? I, there's not many bugs, many yeah. bad, you know, and I get here to Virginia and there seems to be this horsefly <laughs> that's following me everywhere I go. I mean, he was, he's at home with me, you know, he, he followed me on a trail when I went running. He was at the track. I was like, what is going on? And then from there, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a sign. And I started, they all legitimately started thinking. And, and the story came to me, of course, the horsefly. Uh, and this one is for the younger children. This is specifically for the ages two to five. Because um, it's going to, it's introducing them to animal sounds. And it's introducing yeah. them to sight words. Like animals, cow, horse, dog, and those kind of things. So um, it's a very, it's a very short story. Um, and it's actually, so I'm planning on launching it on October 27th. I'm actually wow. waiting in for my physical copy to come in the mail so I can do the final approval on it. And then I can do a launch here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that's, that's the first one for October. And then later on in December, on this one, hopefully my team doesn't beat me up for announcing this, but later on in December, I plan on, uh, releasing a second one. Uh, and it's called Billy Dipper's, Billy Dipper's Time to Shine. Uh, awesome. now this one is, is about, it's like, it takes place out of space. <laughs> Um, but this one is about self-worth and it's just a, it's a fun way to tell a story uh, about self-worth. And it also talks about bullying in there. Um, and it's, again, the idea is that, you know, as, as we sit down, the parents just reading it with their children or a child just picks it up for themselves. They can go through the book and then they look in the back uh, for the younger book. They look in the back and they see the resource of, you know, they see a picture. What sound do I make? And you go through with your child and talk about sounds and then you say, okay, you know, this is a cow and you show them the sight words, you teach them yeah. how to read. Uh, and then for the older group, that's six to nine, maybe 10 uh, range. I think that that could sort of now you can go into a little bit more topics where you talk about bullying. You can ask them a simple question like, hey, what what is bullying in your in your opinion? And, and you know, have you seen it? Have you made fun of somebody? Do you believe that's bullying? You know, what do you do? All those kind of questions. And then self-worth. Well, you know, what's important about it? like what when you saw the character self-worth? what was the most important thing that he was able to learn throughout the story? So uh, those are two, two that are coming out. Again, one is for that younger age group, horse, the horsefly. Uh, I laugh every time I say it, cause it sounds pretty ridiculous. <laughs> right? it, it, I think it's, I think it's going to be fun for that, that younger crowd. And then for the six to nine, maybe 10 at range, it's going to be Billy, Billy Dipper's time to shine. And again, number one is introducing them to that astronomy. Uh, and then number two is, is have, it's talking about self-worth and uh, bullying. So, Exciting times between now and December. 
definitely congratulations again parent.child-connect.com that's parent-child-connect.com or you can find this and uh, so much more but uh let me see if i can get this right Ola olu oganyemi is that close right. enough I'm all right man. hey thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, making the time we'll post this uh to jay fuller interviews on facebook instagram youtube and twitter and then also um, upload as a podcast, Jay Fuller interviews, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes. But we wish you all the best, and I just uh, thank you so much for making the time. The final question I have is, for those of us that pray, that believe in God, how can we be praying for you? I mean, it seems like what you're doing for a vocation, there's stress. Being a husband is stressful. Having children is stressful. And then now with these uh, new works, these books coming out, how can we be thinking of you, praying for you as you just uh, go through the, the rest of this 2021? Absolutely. So I think I would echo the words of Solomon. And I, I just say that I, I really want uh, wisdom. I really want God to bless me or, or to just bless me with increased wisdom. So I know, you know, number one, how to invest the time. Uh, number two, how to serve and lead well, not only my Marines, but my family. Uh, number three, learn how to, as I release these resources, learn how to get it out to people at the right price point that they can afford and all those kind of things, uh, you know, so that it can actually impact. Because uh, that, that's really what I care about. I care about impact. Yeah. I don't really care about uh, profit. You know, the Marine Corps, Marine Corps is paying me. Uh, I'm more concerned about, pro, uh, you know, impact and making sure that those people, as they pick up the book, those parents pick it up or children pick it up. They're able to gain something from, from it. So I just pray that, that, uh, and I ask you to pray that, that God gives me the wisdom and to uh, just lead well and release things that are, that are just beneficial to families across the world. Lou, well said. Thanks so much for making the time. We'll certainly do that. And uh, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely an honor. And again, uh, my name is Jeff Fuller, Jay Fuller Interviews, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, and the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews uh, on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. We thank you all for making the time. Make sure you check out parent-child-connect.com. That's parent-child-connect.com. With that, we're out. We'll talk to you again soon.